Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the brilliant John Doran. John is an actor, a writer, a musician, a singer. John does so many things and he does them all so well. Uh, John is also like a really dear friend of mine, so it was amazing to have him on the show. I can't believe it took this long, but it absolutely doesn't disappoint. In terms of where you might have seen John, uh, all over the theatres across the country, um, to be honest, I mean, uh, in the big houses like the Abbey Theatre with the Me Michael tour, um, which went all across the country, uh, at the gate in their Romeo and Juliet production. He also has a show in a bag uh, with Centre of the Universe um, with the Fish Amble company uh, that was at the fringe and then and then was around for ages touring all around the place um, and then also with devious theater loads of plays some flawed war of attrition and the hellfire squad as well as work with rough magic broken talkers uh, collapsing horse uh, wilfred i mean just really with all the top companies across the country john's worked with them uh, and there's an absolute reason for that it's because his work is consistently great uh, and also all over the voiceover thing and um, just generally doing good stuff um, all about the place so i think you're going to really enjoy this chat uh, in other news um things ticking over uh, on my end it's really nice actually time getting loads of time to do some writing and um getting like into the voiceover thing which is so nice because you know being on mic in the podcast is just something i feel very comfortable with now um and really enjoying just doing that i actually have so much fun doing it considering it's like pretty basic work but like it's so enjoyable just um kind of honing that craft i'm really enjoying it at the moment um and some really exciting theater projects in the work as well that i just can't talk about uh, right now and some film projects too and a bit of singing um, and also a trip uh, stateside in the very near future for any of our New York listeners um, very excited about that and definitely going to try and get some guests sorted also some really cool guests in the pipeline that I'm really excited to bring you um, and yeah all, all just generally good um, thing, things are nice and they're ticking over here which is great um, but as always we will make sure the episodes keep coming thick and fast as we really quickly approach episode 100 i also wanted to draw your attention to uh, a show that the guys are doing it's as part of the bram stoker festival now it was the same deal that um what uh, Quiva talked about in in last week's episode and i mean the cast for it is just so good in the sense it's Dunica od john doran and Quiva, and directed by the brilliant anna shields mac so go over and check them out at the bram stoker festival that one's in dublin castle in uh, the church there and i think it's going to be great um, i'm going to definitely be in to see it so hopefully i will see you guys there so please enjoy the phenomenal john doran playing personality bingo with tom moran John Doran, ready to play personality bingo? Yes. All right, sweet. So a quick explanation of how it all oh, no. how it all works. Uh, I've got uh, 60 minutes uh, on the clock. Uh, I'm going to uh, I have the 60 balls here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers there. Would you do me a favor and read out the five? Yes. 9, 28, 19, 50 and 46. All right, lovely. Do me another favor and pick something between one and 60 that's not already there. Uh, 20. 20. Nice one. OK, any okay. reasons? That's my birthday. Oh, nice one. Okay, yeah. love it, love it, love it. And I should say, if all six of them do <sighs> come out, the tables are turned and you get to ask me All right. anything in the whole wide world. Cool. All right, let's give it a spin. 
Oh, my God. All right. Here we go. Number 34. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number 34. Oh, right in there. This is a brand new question. <laughs> I actually asked Steve Murray it for the first time earlier. All right. Do you cry often? I don't cry often. No. No, I don't cry often. But I don't... Um, Like, if I am kind of overcome with, I don't know, grief or some sort of, like... a overwhelming feeling I'm not going to try and stop myself mm. from crying so uh, I'm not afraid of crying mm. but I uh, uh, I don't cry often no it wouldn't be like a reaction to um, it wouldn't be because I know some people like even I remember getting quite jealous of certain people like um, who just can cry during movies and stuff mm. and I'm like wow they're so into that story that's class uh, and sometimes I envy that. Uh, that's that ability for a person to get so into like a movie or something, whatever, and uh, just get like stuck in a knot or a circle of crying their eyes out. Mm. So yeah, no, I do. I, I do quite. I, I actually, I think, quite positive feelings towards the idea of crying and just crying in general. And le- yesterday, I was just thinking about that actually, because uh, in the Bram Stoker play I'm doing, I have to weep off stage in a creepy way, which draws a person out of the room, and then they're like. You know, they're like, what's out there? Who's crying out there? And um, I just got, I remember when we were in college in DIT, um, Jason Byrne was, we were all pretty fresh students, you know what I mean? So I think our idea of acting was quite, you know, uh, uh, we're just at the beginning stages. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here, can anybody cry in this room? And uh, we were like, uh, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to like dig up all these traumatic, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, no, this is how you cry. And then he just started crying. And I remember going, oh, wow, it's such a great, like, punch in the face lesson for, like, a beginning training actor or whatever. Yeah. So um, it's cool because, like, that, there is that divide then. There's, like, the physical just, like, <laughs> like cry, cry. And then there is the uh, actual real crying. Great crack, anyway. So, no, I don't cry often. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny you were talking about the film thing because that's what, what me and Steve started talking about. And I, and I was saying to him that there's certain... It's not that I cry at films which I yeah. do it's that I cry at certain things that happen in films it's like if there's if there's dad so like father son stuff that can get me yes. if there's if there's um <laughs> if there's someone achieving their dream or like getting told the thing they always wanted to hear that kind mm-hmm. of thing like it, it's that sort of stuff that goes for me so if you're watching something and like like what I what I really can tell about myself is when, when I cry it means that like it's it's just the mo- it, it, it's just it's my best bullshit detector because if I'm crying I'm like well there's no bullshit there that that's really impactful for me yeah yeah like even even it was funny this morning I had like an, an early morning Skype session with my therapist right? right and she said something and I very rarely cry in therapy not mm. like very rarely but like one in one in like I'd say one in like fifteen like it's quite rare like so like that's maybe like twice a year you yeah, know what I mean don't yeah. do it that often and today I did and I was like and I said it to her as it happened I was like oh. Oh yeah, okay. So so that 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 means that's a thing. Cause and I didn't know it was. She said something yeah, exactly, that at first I was yeah. like, no, I don't think so. And then, but it really hit me, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a thing. I know, man. I totally know. Cause even when I went to therapy too, it was just like, you know, you find yourself crying. Yeah. Like that was what I found interesting. Is that you're kind of like, oh god, like I didn't realize that was that was there was so much to stir there or so much just left there that when you stir it, it's going to bring up an awful lot of stuff. Like, mm. so yeah, you're, it's kind of like an indicator as well Yeah, for stuff that you're not fully aware of kind of on a general level. 
so it's a helpful thing as well. It really is. Like yeah. she said something that like I found absurd, and then then but then I started crying. I was like, and then as I started wow. to intellectualize, <laughs> like God, I took it more serious. I was like, oh gosh, that is so oh, unbelievably no. on the nose. Like that she did such a good job. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was so good, and it was so subtle because like she didn't even have to say anything follow up. It was like she just watched me dissolve. <laughs> what is that? Like it's a trigger. Yeah, I guess, or like it's activating just. But like, what crying is like when you're overwhelmed, mm. isn't it? Like, I don't know on any like animal level where we started crying or why we started weeping. Like, I know why we laugh and I know why we do things like that. But like, when did animals cry or like you know wherever we came from? I just don't know what crying is. Yeah, really. What's it? Yeah, what was its function in our survival? Because yeah, it's really related to like your heart and empathy and like kind of. Um, Cerebral things Rather than like A physical necessity To cry mm. I just don't know What it would be relieving In our kind of Animally sense yeah. So I just don't I don't know what's going on Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway oh, It's cool Love it Let's give it a spin Alright here we go Number 16 Do you have it? Uh, no Number 16 uh, What kind of a teenager Were you? Uh, metal I was into metal I was like My brother worked In a guitar shop Called the SNS Music in Kilkenny, which is still going. And uh, I also worked there on the odd Saturday, um, and it was all electric guitars and amps and uh, metal music all the time. They'd be playing like Iron Maiden and like Dream Theater and Metallica and like kind of like real guitar y kind of bands. And like we were doing a workshop with the lads there last January, and it was about kind of teenage stuff. And they asked me what was it, and I said, and I kind of just this has kind of become my thing of I think what my teenagers were is that everything I was just a normal teenager, but everything I did was just steeped in metal music, so that was kind of it. Like so, yeah, I was in a band. Um, I fucking loved going to like the zoo club on the weekend. It was like a Sunday during the daytime. Just metal bands would play, and we would like mosh and headbang and jump around. And I'm not so much into the old metal now these days, but uh, I do go back uh, throughout the year to an album or two that I would like, so which I thoroughly enjoy. I don't think like there's any such thing as a guilty pleasure in music. I think if you like it, you like it, and like I definitely would listen to like a I don't know like it's whatever tickles my fancy. Maybe a Pantera album or a Metallica album from time to time. Uh, maybe an Alison Chains album. So yeah, that's all still there on some level. Mm. But the music I seek out nowadays isn't like that. But anyway, you asked about teenager. Um, but yeah, everything was to do with music. I think as a teenager and kind of mainly metal music and kind of re that relationship with like buying CDs and like having a CD collection and having like a Marilyn Manson section or a Metallica section and all this kind of thing. And then there was like youth theater, obviously with the lads, and you know that was just like really <clears throat> like sporty type crack. So um, as a teenager, yeah, quite. I don't know. Does that answer your question? No, like artistically inclined. Or? No, no, that answers it perfectly. One thing I was going to ask you about that mm. I, I was thinking about this yesterday was <clears throat> like the evolution of of your musical tastes is fascinating. Like, because yeah. I was the same. I I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like metal but I used to like sort of that like weird emo like as in like My Chemical Romance yeah. and Fallout Boy and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff right and then whereas now kind of like my musical taste would be like best classified as angry Irish men with guitars oh wow like nice. it, it's that kind of thing yeah. and, and I was thinking about how I was thinking I was listening to Damien Rice I was out on a, on a run mm. and he was his lyrics were just like you know, and I was thinking about them in a, the context that I shouldn't have, but it was interesting, like, thought experiment of, like, just listening to, like, 
so much of like tos- toxic masculinity in a song, oh, but cool. that makes brilliant lyricism. Like, cause yeah. it's fucking like what he's saying is kind of terrible, and like it's the worst of a person, and I love hearing it. Like, you know what I mean? And then I started thinking about someone like you know Louis C.K. and like yeah. how that's where his humor went, and how offensive it is then when you realize, oh well, it wasn't just his humor. You know, it was actually he was acting upon it as well, which yeah. which changes the way. You, you 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 hear it like if you heard some of the stuff that's said in songs and then you know and do you mean sorry yeah but do you mean like they as they write those songs uh, those Irishy anchored men with guitars are you saying that they're writing in a way that they're not aware of their toxic masculinity or they're addressing it I don't of? know I, I don't know I, I feel like, like they're just, just like Louis C.K. they're just of. like what what I love about it is they're just not filtering themselves and it yeah. feels like there's a real integrity to the worst parts of yourself like if you can if you can put the worst parts of yourself onto paper that's amazing <laughs> yeah like yeah, that's yeah, amazing yeah. and like I, I don't know even I, I fully agree with that like even in my own kind of like things I've kind of uh, delved into kind of writing or whatever like there's obviously going to be reflections of yourself and the kind of maybe darker parts of yourself but you are you're addressing them in an empathetic way and usually in our sense or maybe our kind of taste of things we'd be just making fun of them Mm -hmm. so you are making fun of yourself totally like in your work but like it's not like self-flagellation or anything you're just because you're also like yourself you're a really good actor and stuff and like I feel like I do good stuff as well so like you know you're you're trying to match like the craft of doing good work with uh, how ridiculous you are as well and then you're just making fun of yourself but in a really good way and really engaging and it's really fun for everyone because sure everybody knows that everyone's a bit mad or whatever right and uh, yeah so like I guess yeah no I don't know I don't know where, where that came from but yeah I'm sure those guys like writing about their toxic masculinity and stuff like that they're like yeah they're just trying to like like I don't know just beat against it and like just have the crack with it a little bit. Totally, yeah, yeah. and like it's such rather a, than just being really guilty and just. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's. I, I actually, <laughs> I, 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 did, I, I don't like that I <laughs> used that word because like it wasn't what I was like talk to like nah, that's know, a yeah. that's a buzzword now. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. what does that actually mean? Like but like as in it was just like it was just lads basically saying terrible things about like their feelings towards women, and I was yeah. like you know like they they were terrible, but you're also like you know when something's so terrible, you're like oh they really felt that though. Like and yeah, just the fact yeah. that they were willing to acknowledge I'm feeling this terrible thing, I'm gonna put it in my art and people are going to relate to it like I don't know that process Big I just time. I love I love that yeah me too yeah yeah it's just they've found that fine line where like they're not destroying themselves and they're acknowledging and it's, it's probably a form of therapy obviously sure, as well yeah. they're just like dealing with it by expressing it and then they're putting it out there for other people and yeah I think it's a pretty cool thing pretty cool thing right let's yeah. give it a spin all right, here we go. Number 58. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 58. The question is, in terms of artistic cre- creation, what drives you to do what you do? Um, I don't know. Like, I think I'm a... Like, and I mean this in a good way. Uh, I think I'm a bit of a nerd. Like, I like... Or, uh, I like getting involved uh, and just, like, reveling in the discoveries of acting and figuring things out and when something clicks like last night we were doing one of the things in the Bram Stoker thing and we're struggling a little bit of how to play it and then just last night we're like ah do it like this and the whole thing just came together and it was like a hug it was like a big play hug and like that is such a satisfying feeling when Mm. you're like nice we have it now we we know this is going to be good we're passionate about how we're going to approach it and now we really believe in the writing so it's just that kind of it's like a crossword puzzle or something it's just I really enjoy what drives me in it is kind of unpacking it and understanding it and then the satisfaction of knowing that our understanding is what people will 
hopefully accept, you know. Mm. So <clears throat> it's, it's just that kind of thing. And personally, in terms of artistic stuff, I guess like it's a combination between like it's my skill set and I enjoy doing it. And uh, there's great crack out of it and also variety. Like uh, there's one thing about this career is that like there's so much variety in your work and I love that. So what really excites me always like looking forward towards work as well is like, cool, I'm going to be doing that in that place, that in that place and that in that place. And then I just I don't even know what's going to happen for those two weeks if there's anything or maybe something might pop up. So <clears throat> I know like there is there are negative parts to that um, part of a career, but there's to me I find that really exciting as well like not knowing who's going to be in the room and also not knowing what we're going to get out of this or what we're going to create like so yeah just that anticipation uh, into the unknown or whatever yeah. is like good crack for me I enjoy it like there's a sport to it yeah so. do, do you find like with the between the acting the writing the bits of music like do they mm. all come from a different place or is it all from the same place <laughs> I th um, do they all come from a different place? Uh, probably not. Although, um, like I so I started out in Kilkenny with the lads doing youth theatre, and so I do kind of have a separation between like theatre and everything else because mm. I, I I like when we can, but I generally like when we can throw everything into a play. I do like when I can bring my musical ability to a play or singing ability to a play, uh, or or you know even writing like uh, so. I, I do kind of generally tend to um, uh, verge everything I can do and want to put it into a piece of theatre. <laughs> so, but whether they come from the same place, I don't really know because like I've just been doing this sort of thing since I was a teenager. So um, um, they all they all kind of I started doing all this stuff around Kilkenny, like playing music and being in plays, and uh, I suppose they all do give a similar satisfaction. So, yes, in the most long-winded way possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go to the No, 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 no. Right, here we go. Number 22, do you have it? Um, no. No way, number 22. Uh, oh, this is a good one for you. Uh -huh. From past or present, who is your favourite Irish sports person? Oh, my God, I have, like, literally no idea. <laughs> like, that's so interesting. No idea. <laughs> do you know no sporting interest? I absolutely do not, no. I don't at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I have I have no answer for that. Maybe Conor McGregor, but like that's only because he's the only athlete I've ever like followed mm. for a certain amount of time. And even now, I'm just not really that interested. So, um, geez, I haven't a clue. Like, no, that's so interesting. That's that's why, like, that's why it's there. <laughs> what? So, what? What is that experience? I've often thought this because. Uh, my youngest brother, say myself and uh, I'm the oldest, so myself yeah. and my my middle brother, right? Like we both bond over sports, and then myself and my younger brother. I'm I'm speaking very like obviously yeah. here, but we like the thing we connect over would be um, he's a filmmaker, so like filmmaking, acting, writing, whatever that might be. Um, I always wonder about his experience as being you know a young lad who's not into any sport at all, just really mm, not yeah. that interested. In it. And even at that, he would have played football till he was probably fifteen or sixteen probably just to hang out with his mates as much as anything what was your experience and how do you think that affected you growing up is it like for example I never did youth theatre do you think youth theatre was your football oh big time yeah I mean I consider sports to be on the spectrum of nerdiness as well sure like, just like anything that someone is super into that ultimately doesn't matter yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so like yeah sports theatre music they're all the same to me I think like so whatever you're having yourself but uh, yes I would I would definitely consider theatre to be sport like and even listening to your podcast as well I've seen there are 
certain guests who are like really passionate about sport and they do draw that kind of parallel between mm. a team working together and taking it seriously and getting it done and remaining committed until it's over and obviously like that's that's obviously as an ensemble and a play and stuff like that as well so like yeah, like, yeah definitely sport it, like that's what I think that's what's fascinating about like as in you mentioned McGregor like my thing is is like I, I follow McGregor but like my thing would be you know any of the football sports really like even, yeah. even golf stuff like that but like the thing the reason you like them is like they do follow the narratives of life it's just that the fundamental like like the the, the, the rises and falls like it it's amazing to see even like that's what is fascinating whatever you make of Conor McGregor like it is fascinating mm. in the lead up to one of his fights because he builds himself up and you're like well, he's either gonna back it the fuck up and it's gonna be amazing because he pretty much all of his major fights he's kind of been like in terms of ability like the underdog really yeah, big you, time. you know what I mean and then or no, else yeah. it's going to be a fall from grace absolutely he really like builds a kind of like a narrative doesn't he it's amazing like he and I don't know how much of that is to do with sports or not but like just coming from a kid who watched a lot of wrestling as well like 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 this is the closest thing to wrestling that an adult can get like he's like proper heel he's like stirring loads of shite like and he's making fun of people and he's making people angry he's making them emotional and then they take it out in the ring <laughs> and then if he wins or doesn't win it's like a huge drama because you know all the shit you were talking about before and I was thinking then because I was I was just reading about the uh, the recent one the Russian one yeah. was it the Russian guy who like attacked everyone around the ring and stuff and I was like oh my god this is like barbaric like and uh but then somebody drew it out for me who was like it's like no he just took like he didn't like internalize what Conor McGregor was saying he's like Grant keep saying offensive things and I'll kill you like after the match and I was like geez that's like probably a reaction that Conor McGregor didn't like anticipate he's like no I'll just get inside his head I'll mess with him a little make him angry he won't be able to focus and then I'll be able to fight him because he'll be all like dizzy from feeling mental but he, the guy was like no I'm not feeling mental at all and Grant I just hate you but I'm going to fight you now and then afterwards I'm going to beat the shit out of everyone that <laughs> everyone you love <laughs> so, so like I don't know like it just it was it was gas but it is that kind of like uh, you just want to see how people's minds work like and there's no better way than with maybe UFC or something I remember Daryl said that to me he's like I don't really care about the sports it's just like watching their the heads on them when they're standing in the ring and the pressure like and watching them like calibrate that pressure like their poker faces or they're clearly distracted by the thousands of people shouting at them and then watching them try to like fight, like so it's just that sort of crap. But again, I don't really know if that's sports. Do you think that's sports, or like is that just drama around sports, or is that what sports is for? I think that's what sports is for. Fair. I yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Like I think it. Like I think it's it's super like it, it's like drawings on a wall in a cave. It's super tribal in that way. Mm. Like it's the people shouting. Like there's nothing yeah. more primal than like two <laughs> fucking men getting in a cage. It's absurd. <laughs> like in this day and age, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's yeah. So crazy. It's it's mental. It's like it. They have all the bells and whistles around it, but at the end of the day, it's just two lads fighting in a cage, and that has been going on for like I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years or something. Like you know, just lads fighting in a cage. Absolutely mental. Like I want, like you'd have to wonder, will, like, will the human experience ever like evolve beyond that? Because like that's the Colosseum. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. Like, but will te technology ever take us with on that, or is that so rooted in our DNA that that will always be there? Maybe it'll always be there. I, I'd actually like, as weird, I'm not really into fighting. And like, I also like, get involved in the build-ups for the MMA stuff. But then when you watch you, I can't, I can't look at it. Like, it's just lads punching each other in the face. It's and you're so like, hard This to is watch. like, actually disgusting. Like, no, and I don't mean that as a judgment. It's like, hard to watch. Like, your natural fight or flight reaction kicks in. You're like, get the fuck out of here. There's people punching each other. But, um, 
No, but like there is a beauty in things not changing as well or something like, I mean, you go back to like however many hundred years ago and you see the same thing and you cut to now, it's the same thing. I think there's something lovely about that. Like a kind of a consistency throughout our 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 species or whatever. Mm. Like we're all just like watching the same stuff as we've always been in, but now it's just got a little bit more, um, it's just got different theatricalities around it. Mm-hmm. Different tastes, different styles. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that I think that, like fundamentally what you're saying there is so true about the McGregor thing because I think that was the difference with Khabib. Like to McGregor, like now, like there's the two sides to it. Like what he's saying like was... Like he he has been borderline racist. Like you know, you no know, sorry, he's been outwardly racist. Yeah, because he like, was doing some really yeah, nasty shit this time, like wasn't he? Misogynistic, homophobic, all the things. But to him, I think he he's like, no, this is this is showbiz. Like I'm yeah. I'm building the thing, I'm selling the fight. Whereas to Khabib, it was like, no, no, you're literally like offend. Like this is we're fighting for yeah. we're fighting for honor. Whereas McGregor's fighting for money. I think that yes. was the difference. And then. As you said, like if he just was able to store that up and not let it go to That's his head. That's so fair though. Like, like you could argue, not that he's wrong, but he totally misinterpreted McGregor's intention behind the, I, I the really think he that did. he was developing. Th- there was a moment. He's like, this is terrible. You are. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I was born in Louth, but I, I grew up in Russia. Uh, what was it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, let's give it a spit. Let's give it a spit. <laughs> I'm choked on my own tongue there as well. What's going on? All right. Here we go. Number 13. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 13. The question is, uh, aside from theatre, what is your greatest passion? Jenny, uh, Mac. Um, I guess like, oh, lad, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, mm. uh, like, I mean, I mean, like, kind of just ha- happiness, I suppose. Like, making sure I'm living a nice life. Yeah. Like, taking care of my life. And obviously how that affects other people as well. Like, my friends and my family and my girlfriend and the people I've kind of just become close to over in Amsterdam and stuff as well. Just trying to be well. Like, I, I suppose I am passionate in just wellness. Like, and... um, Because I just have seen the benefits of, like... Um, you know, uh, focusing on your own uh, wellness so that other people can benefit as well as yourself and you can just enjoy um, your life outside theatre as well. Because obviously when you're starting acting like it's quite an anxious process and um, much of your life, I'm sure you know as well, like much of your life just gets taken up by trying to get some sort of theatre thing going. Mm-hmm. And then you obviously hit a point where you're kind of like, oh, but what about the other things in my life and blah, blah, blah. And that would have been a few years ago in my case. And... Um, I think, yeah, I'm on the other side of it now where I'm just like, I definitely enjoy just kind of life outside theatre as much as life in theatre. And they both have a really important place for me. So, yeah, I guess I am passionate about kind of maintaining a sense of wellness and happiness and things like that. Um, not for, just for myself, but also for other people as well, because you need to be in good shape if you're going to like be a good friend or be a good boyfriend or a good son and things like that so and what's yeah. the day to day like reality is of, of keeping that in check just keeping it in check you know yeah. like I mean like yeah I mean I would have done the whole uh, therapy thing for a while that was ages ago um, but I don't know what else I like, eat healthy I love I, I like I love cycling I like um, <clears throat> you know um, I'm just kind of accepting the things that kind of make you happy I guess and just in allowing yourself to enjoy them like just remembering that oh no i'm here because i enjoy this and so yeah let's allow yourself to actually enjoy it like trying to remain on point with that stuff like 
So I guess the day-to-day is just kind of habit now at this point, like, um, but I don't have a specific technique. Yeah. I mean, I still do beat myself up for not, like, I mean, I've completely fallen out of the gym now at this point, and uh, I need to get back to it and things like that, or, like, I haven't, like, um, yeah, or I'll go through a week of kind of not eating great and stuff, like, but that's, that's all fine. But, like, so I'm not, like, but I'm not just walking around being super enlightened trying to enjoy every moment and everything. I just, like, <laughs> I, like, uh, I just have a general habit now of taking care of myself and wanting to take care of myself and also understanding the worth uh, for myself and for other people uh, in trying to be well, you mm. know. Mm. So, yeah. What, what is, like, because it, it is an interesting thing because I really relate to what you're saying about, you know, those first few years and, and it's all about that. And in a way, I don't, I don't think it has to be, but, like, I kind of think for me, I think for me it had yeah. to be. I, I exactly. Think. No, I definitely don't mean it on a general level. Yeah, it's completely my own experience. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, but what yeah, I was yeah. saying is I think now I'm getting into the place of, like, where now I'm, like, I kind of feel, you know, not, not, I don't feel, like, established is such a weird word, but I kind of feel like, well, I've, I've done that, like, and I've, you know, have, like, X amount of years of, like, doing that, and it's great, and I love mm. it, but, like, you know, I, I actually want to go travelling now as well, and, and, and do yeah. that, and, like, just give yourself that space, because... But as you were saying, like when you're when you have like a, a general idea of what you might be doing, and there's weeks here and weeks there, it's just hard to give yourself that space to be like, well, I'll just take that for you. That's all right. Go and do that. Like I yeah. find that really hard. That that was a process to come into it for me. What was your process to getting to that place where you did value just that day to day being happy? Well, actually, it's funny because you say that like, um, so like that idea of not knowing what's coming up next or where things are coming. <clears throat> I guess why I'm all right with that now is because I generally do know realistically, based on uh, the past, like the year before and the year before, I generally know realistically that there will be more work, like, you know, at some point. So it's not like, shit, will I never work again? And la la la. Like, that's just not really going to happen, I don't think, you know. And I don't, you know what I mean by that? Though? I do, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just like someone's going to call me for something at some point. <laughs> so, like, there's no point in catastrophizing it and being like, oh my God, I'm never going to work again. So, I guess once I kind of settled into that, like, and like, I don't worry about never working again, you know, that's all right. Like, because I probably will. And, uh, and I want to as well. So, I'll always be seeking it out anyway, just through habit, sending out email or going to see a thing and want to get in touch or, want to maintain a relationship with some other company and blah 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 so I don't really worry about not working again and um yeah so what was the question again <laughs> yeah it, no but it was just that that what was that process for you of learning to oh, value yeah. that other side of it as well yeah well yeah so I suppose it's just like knowing that you're going to work again and then yeah I guess what sinks in there is like everything in between you're like cool I guess I can enjoy this time off or mm. I guess I can and also like you know my girlfriend lives in uh Amsterdam so, like, you do have to be a bit more uh, militant with your time off and stuff like that. You have to, yeah, like, my time off is me needing to make the most of another part of my life, you know, like, which is the relationship and stuff. So, like, it's um, just becoming organized and a, a less scattered, I guess, for myself. Because I, I suppose before I would have been a bit more, all right, time off, don't really know what I'm going to get up to. And maybe sometimes that can make you a bit, like, lost and anxious and unfocused and kind of lacking any real specific intent <clears throat> like with your time off whereas now I like probably have to go to Amsterdam and you know make the most of that time <laughs> before I come back to doing another job so uh yeah I guess it's like even in acting as well it's like when you can't figure out what your intention is you just don't know what you're doing in a scene like so yeah it's that kind of thing like just having some sort of um something to aim towards when you have your time off is it does something like having a, a partner abroad and like so in a sense having another like 
life in a mm. sense there like what how does that affect the way you view your life here or does it oh definitely yeah <clears throat> like i mean because mike is from amsterdam and she really loves irish people and she comes over here and we hang out with her irish friends she has her own group of irish friends as well and um i get a real perspective on watching them behave towards her or something like and then just the way we talk about it after and like without wanting to go into some sort of crazy romantic <clears throat> like pro-Irish blah 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 like but like there is a real unique uh, vulnerable and like crack filled engaging uh, vibe of j- pretty much everyone in Ireland <laughs> like everyone's got a real um, unique kind of Irishy way about them, like and it's usually engaged and and a little bit kind of a little bit vulnerable or something and everyone's just like there and they're like they just want to get to know you like you know yeah, yeah. whereas like I, I hear from my friends and you probably heard too like people live in London like it's a different vibe there. Everyone's quite cut off, and, and in Amsterdam, like I mean, we live in an area where there's a lot of old people, so they generally just keep to themselves. So like, um, yeah, there's a real there's a real pulse in Ireland, and I kind of appreciate that a bit more now. I think like I and I really just from spending so much time away, I really like um, admire the the sense of commu- the real sense of community in the acting scene because mm. I don't know if like. I don't know if you're likely to know, or in another career, I'm not sure if you're likely to know so many people doing so many different things all the time, but still taking the time to say well to you. So everybody's leading these kind of varied and interesting lives, but we all still see each other about once or twice a week. And like, there's a real richness to that. That's very, I find that very exciting. Like, so, um, and also distinctly Irish because the the type of art we're making is reflective of where we're from. Mm -hmm. So, and where we're at here. So like, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, but yeah, no, it, without that, without having moved to Amsterdam, blah blah blah, uh, I don't see how I could have possibly uh, had that perspective. But it's it's more like, it's like I I am witnessing this in passing as well. It's not like I'm always going around like going, it's amazing Irish people, Jesus, it's gorgeous, aren't we brilliant? It's not like that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like it's just like there I'm, I, there is an awareness there on some level that like this is cool. What's going on? Big time, big time. Yeah. Let's go to spin. Right. All right, here we go. <clears throat> number 45. Do, do you have it? I don't. All right. Number 45. The question is... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so with the benefit of hindsight, I, <laughs> I sometimes like to add these caveats before. They're, they're, they're always <laughs> yeah. quite funny. The question works totally fine without that. With the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> can you start any more of the questions with that, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, was there a catalyst moment that uh, made you pursue acting uh, with the benefit of hindsight with the benefit of hindsight was there a catalyst uh, I don't know I went to youth theatre with the lads yeah. John Martin Stephen Comper Jack O'Leary Laura Murray all these guys and um, we arrived we did one of John's plays and we were so into the crack that uh, we just wanted another play straight away once it was over so definitely the first time I met the lads and we did their play was like, I just want to be doing this now and again and again and again. So, and I haven't stopped wanting to do it. So. Well, was there something disappointing about going to, we both went to DIT, right? Yeah. Was there something, like, because that, I, I've had pretty much all the lads on. It's ap- it's absolutely bizarre that you're the the, the last of the, the lads on <laughs> since I would be the closest to you, I think yeah. that'd be fair to say. The last of Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so funny that like, um, like how formative that time just sounds even as someone who fucking wasn't even near it but it just sounds so idyllic so, so much crack brilliant and they're all brilliant lads so 
was there something disappointing then about going into like a formal training in DIT and and even though I had great crack in DIT I'm sure you did as well but it like just being like oh it's not quite the same like was there a reconciliation that had to happen there for you uh I don't know uh, I think like they were st- they were separate in my head actually like they weren't the same thing mm. training to be an actor in DIT and gaining that education that college education uh, was completely separate from the crack in Kilkenny. Mm. So, and I suppose that's a pretty, like to have those two kind of beacons at either end and then just trying to meet them in the middle where it is just pure crack with mates and good work based on training or whatever um, would have been the objective. But like, I wouldn't say I was disappointed, no. Um, were you disappointed? <laughs> no, no. But I, I hadn't, I didn't have that, I didn't oh, have your experience. Yeah. So like for me, the DIT thing was ideal because there were these people and like you were saying like it was just that thing of like theatre people and generally speaking they're great and like I love acting and I yeah. and I, I, I you were talking about being a bit of a nerd like I, I yeah. can get nerdy about that sort of stuff as well so it was it was so brilliant for me but I was just wondering was it was it um yeah was, was it a letdown like well, yeah. this is what I was doing in Kilkenny is so much crack and now this is no crack like yeah uh no, I don't know, really. Like, uh, it was it was all good. And then, like, because after, after school in DIT, I'd still be hanging out with the Kilkenny guys in Dublin and we'd be making short films and being stupid and running around. And we even did a, a kind of short Shakespeare. Me and Stephen and Eddie did, like, a short devised Shakespeare in bits kind of thing in Kilkenny while we were in second year in college. And, you know, we also did it in the Haypenny. So we were still having our dream stuffy crack, uh, but we were also in college having the crack as well. Mm. And, like, you know, you know yourself like college isn't just about what you're learning it's about like your buddies and partying and stuff like that like so mm. it was all just deadly yeah I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. alright sweet let's give it another spin alright here we go number <laughs> 50 do you have it Ooh. no yes oh, I do oh you do uh-huh. nice one number all right. 50 alright the question is when was the last time you wrote a letter uh, in hindsight <laughs> In hindsight, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have no idea, Tom. I mean, I have literally not a clue. No, you mustn't hear me. I said, in hindsight. Oh, in hindsight. What is a letter? Uh, 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 a letter, Jenny Mac. I haven't a clue. What's your handwriting like? Oh, I have like 500 different types of handwriting. Like, I start off really kind of like clear. I kind of write in blocks. Mm. And I've got no kind of gauge on, um, or I've got no kind of, uh, uh, um, I don't know. How to Basically, I just write capital letters and lowercase letters all over the shop, like so. Kind of like, kind of like if a serial killer was to send an anonymous letter and stuck a bunch of le- uh, letters from magazine clippings. That's my handwriting. Excellent. Uh, or just lines that are supposed to be letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, why, what do you make like, um, in terms of, uh, do you remember the last time you received a letter or a card or something like that? Do you? I, oh, I send uh, like a. I'd send like an old postcard. Would you? To my ma. Oh yeah, that counts. Yeah, I was in Edinburgh in August, sent a postcard to my mum. Lovely. Happy out. That felt good. Go get a little stamp, send it off. And then my mum gets it and she doesn't like go, she's not thinking things like, no, nobody sends postcards anyway. Because like me and and James, my brother, we've been pretty uh, militant over the years of sending mum cards and postcards on her birthday and when we go on holidays. So like, uh, yeah, I like the way we've kind of kept up that for her. And that she doesn't question it. She probably still thinks it's like totally normal for everyone to send each other postcards and cards. Whereas we're just doing it because we're like, we're like, oh no, she she like likes that, and nobody does that anymore. Yeah. So it's a fun little activity to do when yeah. you're abroad. 
Yeah, no, it's yeah. It, yeah. I love a card. I need to write more. You love an old card, would you? Yeah, I'm. I'm real hypocritical though, because I always like. <laughs> even there was like there was. It's you know this is such a weird thing. Uh, Amelia Stewart did the podcast, and I yeah. think it was the one before I went traveling, and I was telling her like I was like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do it, and then, and then she was like right, you better write me a card because this thing came up, and I was like I will. I said it on the podcast. You can listen back, and I didn't write her a card, and like. <sighs> And, and and I think she actually commented on something when I actually went on my Instagram and she's like, better get that card. So there was like a, a constant pressure there and I was thinking about the card and I was walking around <laughs> Europe and I was seeing nice cards and, and, and then... And then just do it. Well, this is the thing. So then, then I was away and then, this is terrible, but like this is where my brain went. I was like, I didn't send her the card. Then my granny died and I was like... But at least I have a good excuse. Like I was literally like, if she asked me why I didn't send her a card, I'm like, oh, I, I was so ready to send you a card, Amelia. But it's going to do from the last destination of my trip. This was never going to happen. I hate that. Just that inertia towards tasks. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. Like pay your taxes, send a postcard. Yeah. Completely different spectrums. But like for some reason, just because it's a task, you're like, not going to do it. Never going to do that. No, yeah. absolutely not. Just going to keep avoiding it. If it's, in, if it's in the calendar I don't want to do it you know that way yeah. did you have her address like I'd find it weird asking a person for her address no I would probably would have to send it to fucking oh, man, uh, what's your address by the way <laughs> send it to her agent like send it to Lisa Richards <laughs> do, do you know what I mean to the to oh. the fair city dressing room of Amelia Stewart if ever there was a letdown he'd be like oh you got uh, some mail from Lisa Richards he'd be like ah it's uh, Tom in Bratislava sending me a lovely picture of a castle <laughs> thanks Lisa Richards <laughs> 100% <laughs> Uh, right, here we go. Number 54. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Uh, number 54. Um, do you have a favourite actor? Oh, um, Jay Gyllenhaal is a cool actor. Mm. I love watching him in kind of Anton, to be honest. Although I haven't seen him in, in everything he has done, but like <clears throat> Prisoners and Nightcrawler and those kind of things. Mm. He's a really exciting actor. Yeah. I think he's really cool. And probably Annette Benning. Ooh. <laughs> That's a great answer, though. She's really? Brilliant, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you forget about her. Like, Always forget about her. Yeah, yeah, you would. And then, like, just, but, like, and I, I don't I don't even think I'm fully aware. I was fully aware until recently that she was my favourite actor. Because it was just like, I realised I hadn't seen The Kids Are All Right. I was like, oh, my God. I haven't seen this. It looks amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Looked at it. Unbelievable performance. Like, she's just such a class actor. Then American Beauty and things like that. Mm. Also, she bought the rights to... Uh, the, the Alice Kittler story which is Kilkenny's kind of famous witch stories like a witch trial in the 1300s that took place and the person was killed and she bought the rights to the book about that like the official document about it or whatever and uh, but I know I was just kind of fell down a rabbit hole one day and uh, yeah but she it was years ago she bought it and she's never done that in Whitehead so occasionally I'll be like go on Annette do a Kilkenny accent and make a cool thing about being a witch in Kelly that'll be class so yeah maybe her maybe she's my favourite actor so I'm always really excited when she's in something. Yeah. Yeah. What about close to home? Do you have someone in theatre that you love? If if they're in it, you're like, ah, oh, it's gonna be brilliant. Yeah. I mean, like Aaron Monaghan, mm -hmm. I suppose. Like, I mean, I would have first seen him when I was in college. Like, I think the first thing I saw him in was uh, Christ Deliver Us in the Abbey, and like it was a thrilling experience. And uh, I would have made it my business to see him in like everything kind of throughout college. Anyway, I haven't seen Richard III. I saw it last night. Did you see it? And like is good, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it, really? Yeah. No, like, and I just, I actually meant to, like, 
because I'm he did the podcast. Yeah. I'd never met him before that, right? I I met Claire, and then um, obviously she did a brilliant episode, and 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 she was kind enough to put us in touch because it's a, it's a weird thing as well when you do when you have someone on and they also have a partner who mm, yeah. like you know is like comparable to them, and you, you don't want it to look like you're doing it to get to them or something. So I'm always oh, really yeah. careful about that. But like she was just so kind about it, and he's one of them people that I because of how good he is at acting, I kind of thought he was gonna be a certain way, and like really, yeah. I did I don't know what why did you... I don't know why I had it in my head he was a super serious guy like super serious oh. like to the point of being no crack I don't know why I had right. this in my head. couldn't be further from the truth he was so just loose good fun like genuinely funny yeah. uh, like thoughtful I don't know not what I expected at all that's interesting though that like because I, I assume it's probably quite common as well isn't it like if you're like in the if, if you have an idea of what a successful actor is like mm-hmm. as a person <clears throat> but then you find out they're just like grand yeah <laughs> and I don't know why I thought that because I don't even like I think like I thought like actor you know like yeah, that yeah, way yeah. I don't know why I thought that because I don't actually know that many people actually like that you know what I mean and yeah. like I know a lot of actors um, yeah exactly yeah but uh, what, I, yeah, what I was going to say was about that performance like is in like do get a chance to see if you can but it's just like it's just so ballsy I was just like nice. it, it was one of them things that like you're like yeah that lad's like I don't know, it was like he had the collective experience to back a performance that ballsy. Like yeah. it's just, it's brilliant. It's so theatrical. It's so big. It's so bold. I loved it. Like nice. I loved it. I was just like, it's it's kind of something that like you'd imagine. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like if I went that way with it, and then yeah. and then it was just like he went further again. But it's great because like they're druid, sure, and the production value is massive, grand. But like they're also an ensemble, so we do get to watch these people get like. They, they, they start with Druid and then they become super comfortable because they've done so many plays with Druid. So they can, I think only now maybe we're getting to witness the fruits of like real creativity and real just kind of relaxed approach to like high production theatre like, you know, because Aaron's done a million Druid plays. Yeah, with Rory, with Marty, yeah. they're all doing together. So they're all super chill from the day one and now they can just play like and so I'm at, yeah, ballsy. That's, the sorry, just I'm responding to you saying it was so ballsy because it's, uh, they're probably it's probably because they've done so many feckin' true plays now and they can just like they can mess and have a bit more crack like and I, I don't mean, not that they weren't having crack you know what I mean no I know what you mean <laughs> and I don't want to draw a stupid comparison here but like I honestly think to a certain extent that's what's so thrilling when you go and see something like the Hellfire Squad because oh, yeah. to a certain point like you probably have a similar amount of years behind you in that way because you were doing it from when you were babies do yeah. you know what I mean so you're like these lads are just having the crack like and they're, they're all mates and they trust each other and it's real good like it's yeah. so good but like the sense of fun and creativity and playfulness within it is just so infectious yeah. which is comparable to the druid thing alright the it's different because it's in the abbey versus like it could be done in a shed you know yeah 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 but it was amazing the hell for a shed <laughs> uh, we uh, yeah we did we had great crack and Sarah always kind of says Sarah Baxter directed it she always says that um, she was wondering on the run up to starting rehearsal she was wondering whether she should do a bit of ensemble building walking around looking at each other throwing a ball having the crack getting to know each other being silly but she said the messing was so intense on the first day she's like I think the ensemble is grand so we'll just start rehearsing the play that's not my impression sir and uh, so she she kind of left that aside and she just actually got us focused and doing the play and then allowed the crack the, the bubbling crack at all times to just be there yeah. So um, yeah, no, it is a result I think of us having known each other for so long. Yeah. We we're so excited to do that play as well when we did it. We were just like, oh my god, 
I can't believe we get to like spend three weeks in a room like us like fucking the bunch of us get to do this like deadly like and people are going to come oh my god and then it did sell out like it was completely sold out and they're like adding seats and it was a fucking deadly experience with really close friends doing a class play like that Brilliant script play. is unbelievable yeah it's such a cool script and it has a class ending and a really cool message that it sends out there and stuff and uh so yeah, the whole thing was like a thrill, literally a thrill to do, just because it was mates and a deadly script and a sold out house. Like you literally couldn't ask for that more than that. Like so, yeah, yeah we're buzzing. Yeah, amazing, right? Amazing. Let's spin. All right, number forty one. Oh. Do you have it? I <laughs> crunched up my bit of paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, number forty one. Um, what is your biggest career disappointment? Oh wow, um, <clears throat> biggest career disappointment. I guess, like, actually, my biggest career disappointment um, would be kind of like, ah, oh God, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's when I would have felt things a bit more. Like, if like my first big audition for the Abbey or my first big audition for the Gate, and then um, waiting maybe two or three weeks, um, and then letting that affect me for the two or three weeks, kind of like letting the days pass one by one, hoping I would like find out when calling maybe sending an old anxious email to someone an agent or someone those kind of, and then not getting it obviously <laughs> no, obviously not getting it and uh the, the 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 deflated kind of disappointment and the 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 challenges that that presents to yourself the first time it happens um yeah that's 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 a real feeling of disappointment like because it kind of puts you in a place then where you're you feel so deflated and a little bit existential and a bit like, oh, and you kind of wishing you could do more and stuff. But like, I mean, that would have been years ago when I just got out of college, you know, when that would have, that sort of, that sort of reaction. But I guess I would have felt the, the I would have felt disappointment like uh, a lot more powerfully back then. Mm. So uh, whereas now, I guess I would have all that sort of thing in check. So I, I rarely get disappointed, I suppose. Mm. Um, I mean, no, because like, like everyone I've worked with, especially in the past two years anyway, has been like really class, like class in terms of like their own personalities and stuff like, and everyone's been really sound and there's been very little drama or fuss. Not that there was loads before, but it's just, I've noticed in the past two years that the people I've worked with have just been so consistently nice. And uh, so there hasn't been a lot of, um, a lot of room for disappointment in that sense. Mm. But like... Yeah, I don't know, man. I hope that answers your question. It's just, I guess it's just more about, for me, it's more about my relationship with the idea of disappointment rather than like, <laughs> like really disappointing, sad, actual sad things happening. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, no, the worst that can happen is that you're just not going to get a part, isn't it? Maybe? More or less, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, like my, like my answer for that is, is... The, the the show for Broadway that we were going to that got cancelled. Oh yeah! So, oh my god! I was so disappointed. That's my biggest disappointment acting is hearing about that. Yeah, but but no, <laughs> but like that even and and that's one of them things. It's like oh well, if that was to happen now, that would still be devastating. But like that, it's it's yeah. it's not about it's not really about for me. It's not about collapsing the the big moments or the the lowest moments. It's about just that middle time, you know, and just trying to keep that like grand. You know what I mean? Like keep that yeah. as high a level as you can. But do you think that like if that happened now, do you think your reaction would have been the same now as it would have been three years ago? Because it was three years ago, wasn't it? Um, I don't think it was quite that. Right, okay. I, but I'd say it was over eighteen months ago anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh right. Okay. A little yeah. Ah oh, no no fuck maybe it was three years. John. I feel like it was ages ago. Oh, to be it might have been. I actually don't know. I, yeah. I, I, hon I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, it could have been. 
it probably was early 2016 so yeah it would be closer to three years than than yeah. two I think yeah sorry you're right but would it be the same um, oh, I think maybe not quite as bad but it, it would be similar just just because yeah. it was one of them things I just thought it was a done deal do you know what I mean because oh, yeah. it was all wrapped I up know, like we, we I was so fucking I felt so bad for you guys like yeah like it seemed like, it did seem like an actual tragedy I've yeah heard. yeah no and like obviously with the bitter perspective Jesus like life it, it's absolutely grand but like it, it I think that one like probably would but it was really good in the sense that it was like I, I'm I'm in terms of career stuff I'm not sure oh, no, and I say that that's not even true I was gonna be like I'm not sure how much worse it could get it could definitely get worse like imagine if you know like you, you know especially wanting to write like for TV and stuff like yeah. that's full of that shit like you yeah. think something's gonna go with green lights all the way and then like oh the last minute like it, yeah. it stops like well I guess it's like because there are plenty of disappointments in your career in our careers but like, um, yeah, in terms of scale, it's kind of down to your own reaction towards them and how you let yes. them affect you. So I guess, yeah, with my one, then it will be those kind of early on things where I'm so eager and I just really want to be in the Abbey and I really want to be in the gate. Mm. And like, you know, uh, so yeah, like I would have been in myself like reacting completely disproportionately. <laughs> no, but it's funny you say that. Because your one do does seem like quite disappointing actually like but it's funny what you say that because it's about what they represent for you isn't it because exactly, like yeah. what what like it what it was as much like the show didn't really care about the show yeah, 1916 yeah. show fun but Broadway represented something to me Broadway represented this mad thing that I just never thought I'd even get near to doing yeah and like so that's what it represented and then like imagine if you'd like written you know like a TV show and then and then that's going and then that does a season that gets cancelled then what does that represent to you because that's so yeah. much of you and then they're like yeah we showed it to the people and like they fundamentally did not like it yeah or, and, then, and also like it's your responsibility to, or, it just made me think about that Roseanne Barr thing recently where like she mm. was kicked off the show but they made the Connors that last season yeah. and I listened to her on Joe Rogan and she, they're like why did you why were you so easy about getting out of it or whatever and she's just like ah, there's too many people working on it like, like there's a whole cast and there's like a, like 200 people on the crew so they're just out of work because I get sacked that's just not good enough so like that would have been a real disappointment for so many people like so um, I'm not sure what my point was there Yeah, I <laughs> but I guess it's when you have a responsibility to other people mm. and how you could actually end up disappointing so many people so mm. I wouldn't really worry about myself being disappointed so much as like pissing off a bunch of people that yeah. would be kind of hard to deal with I think yeah yeah. that's that's the thing like what's your relationship to that because that, I remember with the when that show got cancelled that was one of my main feelings was just the legitimate like pure shame that like you said it to your family and I remember saying to you like they'd booked their tickets to go over know, it was all yeah. and your friends had, like throwing you a party it was all that sort of stuff that was like the, the, the hard part you know the gig was disappointing absolutely but it was the shame of like feeling like nearly like you'd made it up you know what I mean you, oh. you kind of thought that, it kind of yeah. nearly felt like people think I'm lying here about it well that's actually a good thing because I remember when John Morton got a part in uh, Love Hate uh, years ago he uh, he didn't tell any of us and I was like really like okay and then when it was on he goes yeah I did Love Hate because John's smart John said like he's like you know it's all right to get a day of filament, but you know yourself, there's no guarantee that footage is going to be used. And yeah. they're under no obligation to use it. The story could go a different way. They could edit a certain way. They might find something else more interesting. So, like, there's not there's not nasty about it. They just mightn't use your footage. So, like, but imagine if John maybe did go around going, I was on Love Hate. I did Love Hate. I can't wait to see my episode of Love Hate. And then they didn't use it. That's the disappointment. Like you said, you've almost like you've made the whole thing up. It's so funny you said I that. made the whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> My, my literal question that I was trying to lead into there was yeah. about what do you do if you are auditioning for something now and you are excited about it like what's your relationship to telling mates telling your girlfriend telling your mum all that sort of stuff yeah it's like it's push pull 
like because I am I do want to tell people things and my friends are um, especially my girlfriend things as well like uh, like I, I want to tell people good news but um, I suppose as well sometimes it's okay to shelve that good news and be like Grant that's still great news I'll just tell it next Tuesday mm. and that way it'll be even better because the thing is happening on Wednesday or will have happened last Sunday do you know yeah. so like I guess it's like I, I have more of an awareness of um uh, I have more of capac- uh, uh, I have more of an ability to organize my good news, um, so I don't feel the need to text it straight away or something like yeah. anymore. Um, but you know that's just myself keeping myself in check, because I remember when I did get a part in a big play, I told all my friends and I kind of I let them tell other people and stuff. But the play wasn't on for months, so by the time it came around, I was like wrecked talking about it. I hadn't even done that yet. <laughs> so yeah. that was years ago though. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I think timing is everything with those things. Yeah, but, yeah. And just for the record, John was in an episode of Love Hate. It did get used. It was. So, yeah, okay. He looked very sweaty in it. And I was actually just yeah. thinking about the process of how he got that sweaty. That's that's from my mind. I was like, did they just... And the Michael Caine acting is like, run up and down ten times. So that way you'll be really sweaty. John just was getting water thrown in his face. <laughs> Somebody spit me. <laughs> um, number 44. Oh. Do you have it? Good old. Oh shit, man! I'm after crunching this thing up. After rolling, doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't want to win. What did you say? Forty-four. <laughs> forty-four. No, I don't have it. Uh, number forty-four. The question is: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm a. Oh god. Like advice being like, like something that influences your whole life, is it? Or like. Yeah, I don't know. It could be anything you want. I mean, is there something that someone said that, that, that you come back to again and again that's never really left you? I mean, that's probably a good way to frame it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like... Or with hindsight. I actually... I, I was... I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I kind of laugh sometimes about this one time I was given advice and mm. I literally followed the advice and the outcome was exactly as was told to me by the advice. And sometimes I go, that's gas. I was doing this play and this older, like, older actor. And he's like, he's like, John, I have... And he literally goes, I have some advice for you. And yeah. I'm like, oh, amazing. And I remember thinking, wow, advice. Like, you know, nobody gives you advice. Like, And then uh, he's like, so what you need to do? He's like, you have a good voice. So what you need to do is you need to record a voice demo, but pay the money in uh, an actual studio where they would give you the work and I remember going wow that's such solid advice and like, I just really like liking the novelty of it and then like did it and came back to was like hey I did it and now we have a voice agent and he's like yeah see and I was like that was a good solid advice so I remember, I remember just enjoying the uh the, the crack of getting like literal advice from an older actor and then following it and it working out and him going exactly <laughs> yeah told you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well other than that I don't know uh, I mean you pick up lots of little gems yeah. throughout your life do you ha- uh, well, if I was to I'm, not, I'm trying to work out if I've ever done this I don't know if I have if, if I was to come to you and ask you for advice on something this is <laughs> horrifically general like what don't bother man <laughs> yeah but it would definitely come in that voice yeah, yeah. here look fucking pack it in <laughs> But like, are you comfortable with that, with giving advice? Completely depends on what you're about to ask. I know, it was so general. <laughs> but I mean, Would you like, be more comfortable I'll, to give like friends, life advice? I'll definitely try and like, yeah, be helpful. Mm-hmm. I'd absolutely try to be helpful, like as much as I can be. And even remember when Micah one day, I was chatting to her about a problem I was having and uh, she her advice was to ask someone else. And I was like, Thank you. That is genuinely. She goes, go ask Eddie. I think Eddie might be able to help you with that one. And I'm like, thanks. And I was like, Grant, asked Eddie, blah, 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 was Grant. But like, so that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, but I, in that phase, sorry, I would definitely try to be 
helpful if you came to me with any of your issues. Mm-hmm. Why you would come to me is beyond me. Oh, wise man. Yeah, fair. Wise man. Yeah. Loads of hindsight. Yeah. Don't bother, man. Just don't bother. <laughs> right, time for two more. Here we go. Number 21. Do you have it? Oh, uh, once again, I've made bits of this. Uh, nope. Uh, no worries. Um, number 21. Uh, oh, this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, what's the biggest misconception you think people have about what you do? So, uh, I guess being a theatre artist, being an actor. I'm just taller in real life. <laughs> <laughs> people meet me in the I genuinely haven't got a clue. Um, misconception. Maybe they think I'm a comedy actor. Mm. But maybe I think I'm a comedy actor. I don't know. Like mm. A lot of the stuff I do is kind of comedic. So, um Jeez, I don't know. Do you, yeah, Maybe you could tell me what's do, the biggest misconception about me. No, no, have? no, no. Like I don't. Well, that that the comedy one is interesting. Like, do yeah. you do you separate them in your head though? Like, do you look at it like comedy and then like? No, life? I don't separate them at all. Yeah, because no, they all come from in my head some sort of like uh, place of like trying to get the audience to empathize with who the person is, and then sometimes that person is just so silly they're hilarious, mm. uh, or that person is just not actually supposed to be funny and isn't. So, uh, no, I don't really separate them too much. But I did, <clears throat> without going into too much detail, I did have an audition once where one uh, director uh, asked me to do what I did in another play. And I found that, uh, not offensive or anything like that, geez, no. It was just like, I found it kind of like a, a bit of a weird thing and I didn't quite know how to do that. Or, you know, yeah. I, I found that confusing. And um, maybe that's a misconception then, because I, or maybe I should just try and figure out how to deal with that because <laughs> like when he was like oh, you just need to do what you did in that other play because you were good in that other play and if you do it in this play it'll totally work and I was like I don't know what I did in that play exactly I know I got there eventually and what you saw is like you know your experience but like how I got there I haven't got fucking clear anymore yeah, it's just so. such a lazy thing it's like direct yeah, me to get there right. where do you want me to be alright I was trying not to say but like it is a bit lazy oh it's so it? lazy yeah it is like come yeah. on so yeah. like it's not offensive that, it's and just, that's, that's a preconception right is that like oh, that, that's that guy's shtick he'll just do that thing yeah. maybe maybe the preconception is that I have some sort of shtick yeah <laughs> you know? I actually think that'd be like as an outsider look that would make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe I do have a uh, well there, I definitely a consistent result because at the end of the day it's just going to be me doing my you know uh, my thing on stage but I'm going to have to get there a different way each time because the script is different or the process or the requirement and blah 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 blah, blah. so yeah maybe it's just like I come at it from so many different angles but it's always just the same fucking performance mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I don't know man but yeah maybe it's the Irish dick yeah it's a good answer. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, all right. Oh, two came out. Well, oh, we might just have to. Number three. Uh, no. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number three. Uh, oh, do you consider yourself a jealous person? Nope. Uh, not at all. No, uh, no. Because uh, that's the kind of thing, for myself anyway, I would have definitely experienced and uh, challenged years ago <laughs> so right. like you know you would have had jealous feelings and then we're like yeah. what are they about well I think like if you don't know if you don't have some sort of check on that um, what, how do I phrase it like yeah if you, if, if you don't know what you're experiencing then you're liable to experience uh, you're, you're liable to express these experiences irrationally because you just don't know what's going on and you're scared and you're jealous now and you're envious and blah 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 but like I guess I don't get jealous because it's it's um, it's a very available option in this industry mm. And um, I would have experienced it maybe at the very beginning phases, but then I definitely got at some point, I don't know when, at some point in my life, I was definitely, I felt like I was kind of like cheating myself out of my own crack uh, by 
letting jealousy ruin my day or something like that, you know. And like, you know, I would definitely affiliate jealousy with the idea of seeing someone on Instagram. I don't know why, but that's just kind of my, that's the scene in my head. Mm. So let's say I see something on Instagram and somebody's like doing something great, wrapping notes, crack, la, 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 la. Maybe a few years ago, definitely a, like more than a few years ago, it would have been kind of a thing where I'm like, oh God, oh no, uh, why aren't I on that level, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, uh, but I think just because I got so tired of feeling that way, like, you know, so quickly that that stuff had to be challenged and now sure yeah I'm past all that now I think like I don't yeah. get jealous I mean like if something terrible happened <laughs> like you know I was cheated on or somebody or I was fired and I wasn't told or something like that I guess I'd be more liable to be heartbroken or perceive that situation as heartbreak rather than jealousy mm. yeah. but envy absolutely like I I, I kind of think about envy in terms of like almost a positive swing on things sometimes like when somebody has a real nice kind of lifestyle or something a beautiful balance or something I'll think about wow I really envy that balance like you know, they have their child or you know they have this nice kind of they don't live in they live outside Dublin or something and they still work all the time and they seem really happy so like I I think like envy is almost um, in the same part of of my brain's ambition or something yeah that's it sounds to me like you were saying well it, it's not that I, I don't want them to have it it's like that's something I want to strive for yeah exactly mm. yeah I love that like yeah I quite envy like, that's the way I would use that in a sentence like I was like oh I quite envy that you have that lovely thing like and that's beautiful and then uh, whereas then like jealousy then is just this manky feeling but I do feel like you're kind of robbing yourself of um, like your own quality of life or you're, you're like yeah you're, you're robbing yourself of your own crack like mm. uh, when you're when you're allowing yourself to be jealous, you're, you're not challenging what's making you jealous and blah, blah, blah. So, no, I don't get jealous anymore. But, like, obviously I did and I've definitely moved past all that now. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what jealousy means. <laughs> I got one more. So this, Let's do it, man. We'll just do it. Right, number oh. 19. Do you have it? Oh, my God, I think I do. Let me, I don't know. I keep folding up this bit of paper. Sorry. That, 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 that. Yes. Nice one. You did pretty good. That's two. That's not bad. All right. I mean, it's not six, but it, it, it's two. <laughs> sure look. Uh, number 19, do you believe in love at first sight? Um, I don't. I definitely don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just for the reason that, like, I know if I was, like, in love with someone, or, like, if I fell in love with someone, that would be creepy. Wouldn't it be creepy? Yeah. Or if somebody just fell in love with you and started going around after you. <laughs> so, like, it's definitely a two-way. <laughs> around after you. <laughs> <laughs> but like in my mind that definitely has to go both ways in order for it to be like you know alright or there needs to be some understanding you need to arrive at some understanding with love like because obviously people do fall in love with people who don't love them back and that, that happens it's part of life but like uh, there needs to be some sort of end goal there that needs to be shut down at some point so I don't really know uh, at first sight to me that's just like oh, I know because now I sound like I'm like because maybe people who do believe in it like I just I uh because me love is quite a, quite a real thing or something yeah, like yeah. yeah like I mean like and it comes with a lot of like uh, um, a lot more than just like being fanciful towards someone obviously there's like you know you have to take it seriously so like uh, um, no not not love maybe like you just fancy someone and mm. you want to see if that could work or something and then maybe you'll fall in love um, maybe when you do fall in love with someone and they love you back you could be aware you're like I knew I would fall in love with this person yeah. at a certain point I knew I had the right inclination there but then again maybe you could draw that back and say that was love at first sight so that's the thing yeah yeah, yeah it's interesting yeah it's, <laughs> it'd be so because you know like I don't know, have you ever met one of them couples like older couples or something and they're like yeah it was love at first sight and yeah like, I'd love to track that back and be like what was it actually because I don't yeah. think I believe in love at first sight either but I definitely believe in, in as you said like identifying something like in someone like 
but the minute you see them or the minute you speak yeah. to them and being like and then the odds are that like one in like a thousand one in ten thousand one in a hundred I don't know what it is but like yeah. you know if, if the other things could be in place as well um, so it, it's it's kind of interesting like to, if you could just reverse engineer it and be like yeah. what was it actually Cause because I think actually at a certain age love at first sight is possible like kind of like summer camp vibe or something mm. do you know like you just even like if it's not yourself you're seeing these two people who are, don't know each other from summer camp and then they're hanging out all the time and they have this shift because they're like 14 or whatever mm. and like but there's, they, they, they have that kind of budding summer romance that teenagers have like so maybe love at first sight is real for like kind of like teenagers because you're looking for it yeah. or something and they don't understand what commitment is so <laughs> yeah well like that that was one of the things about uh, interrailing by yourself oh, right yeah like because you're just as in and I absolutely did not fall in love in interrailing or anything like it but like what you what you are in a position is where you're just having like I, I described it as in a completely non-sexual way like the by far the most romantic thing I've ever done because you're just rocking up in this yeah. city by yourself you, you meet these people male female whatever it is like normally just one person sometimes two that you'd be hanging out with like and sure you'd be in bigger groups but like you know you're going for dinner with them you're going to tours with them you're going for drinks with them you're seeing the sights with them and you know you're up all night till four or five in the morning having real intense conversations mm. learning all about them telling them all about you and then you just never see them again like it's just so like on the nose romantic like yeah exactly and there's definitely a place in life for like romance like on that level not just with a another person or something uh, but yeah that sort of thing like and that's kind of in hindsight isn't it when you look back and you're kind of like oh that was a beautiful time yeah and I definitely like do kind of find myself trying to um, register things as they're happening these days a bit more um, in the in the know that I'm going to actually look back on this and appreciate this time or something Um Oh God, I feel, I, sound, I feel like I'm just trying to like pitch some life philosophy. I'm really not doing that. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's just like, sometimes when I'm experiencing things, I'll be like, I just know now in three years or in five years, I'm going to look back and be like, that was, that was great. Like, because that is what I have done and what people do. You look back in college and you, you kind of wrap it up like uh, romantically, like, and then you look back at your teenagers and you wrap that up in your interrailing experience. Like, so mm, mm. there's no reason to assume that we won't do that about like this time now as well like October 2018 you know mm. leaves and cool things and plays and podcasts and everything so we'll probably look back on this and be like deadly like so that's cool I like that I like it too man alright John Don thanks so much for doing it bud cool I'm so sorry that I wasn't sober <laughs> I really apologize for that. <laughs> where are my pants <laughs> Okay. Um, I know you're just off the back of a mad time with the the, the fringe judging, and I know you're doing oh, yeah. this show now this week. Did like is in it's probably too late really to get a proper plug in. But did anyone want to tell me about doing bit the show you're doing now or anything else in the uh, in the future? Yeah. Well, right now I'm doing um black horrors of the black church in Dublin Castle, uh, in the church in Dublin Castle. Damn it! <laughs> I thought I would I thought I would have nailed that in one. <laughs> I'm doing horrors in the black church in the chapel in Dublin Castle. Uh, uh, at the 26th and the 29th uh, as part of the Bram Stoker Festival with Quiva Malley, Donna Gillardy and Anna Shields McNamee and Peter Dunn with his company Morb uh, that's going to be great and then after that I'm doing a rake of uh, well none of it's public I'm doing like a bunch of development work for different companies um, and then there might be some cool stuff in the new year that I can't talk about yet but sure look so nothing in other words excellent <laughs> love it John Doran thanks for playing personality Bingo. thanks Sam Ooh, 
So guys, that was the incomparable John Doran playing personality bingo with my good self. A massive thank you to John for taking the time to do it, but as always, it was just, it's such a joy talking to you and the episode absolutely uh, was worth the wait. Um, as always, a massive thank you to the boss woman, Erin Lindsay, for mixing, editing and producing the podcast. She does such a brilliant job every week and it's such a thankless job, so it's always nice to even express um, a fraction of the gratitude that I have to Erin and all the brilliant work that she does. Also, a huge thank you to Leah Moore and Anthony Manley as ever for their gorgeous theme music, to Connor Nolan for his superb artwork and to uh, Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us aboard the network um, with such great podcasts and articles and everything um, to do with headstuff.org. Some cool news uh, in the sense that I've actually written my first ever article that I'm looking to publish with Headstuff. Uh, Hopefully that will be with you in the next um, couple of weeks. Uh, It's actually entitled Seven Things I've Learned Whilst Podcasting while trying not to sound like a prick. Uh, a little bit self-conscious maybe about writing an article, but, um, you know, we nearly have 100 episodes and, like, it is such an amazing craft, the whole podcast thing. Like, I'm really interested in it and I suppose I was curious to just try and uh, put some of that into an article. So I uh, hope you'll enjoy that. And, um, yeah, I'll keep you in the loop about uh, where and when you can find that. Um, some really cool episodes in the can with uh, Justine Stafford um, from the brilliant Joe.ie and from the Tri Channel, um, really, really top quality content provider, and also with Steve Murray, whose work is so consistently superb, whether it's on stage, on camera, behind the camera, um, photographing people, making posters, designing, whatever it is, that guy is just one of the most talented and more to the point prolific performers right across all his fields that I've ever witnessed so I'm really excited to bring you that one as well in the run up to uh, Kadrina Daly a friend of the show to her show Panned um, so yeah it's all really exciting stuff happening here so um, please hit subscribe tell a friend do all the things that I always encourage you to do it does make a massive difference these episodes coming up are particularly good if I may say so myself and um, as always it's great to have people listening so uh, if you're enjoying let us know and tune in next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Moran.